<laughs> I saw you. Good morning. I'm Dr. Kimberly Lannon, and this is your Daily Game Face. It's June. I don't even know what day it is. I June. know. It's June. Yeah. <laughs> it's June, Lou. Um, and I'm here with my lovely producer, Lou Blasey. I only know because my daughter kicks off June with her birthday, so that's the only oh, reason I know. Oh, that's right. I saw that. And it kind of surprised me, too. To yeah. her. She had a beautiful picture of her uh, yeah. on Facebook. Picture she took, but yeah. It was, oh, did she really? No, she's really a photographer. Nice yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So here we are, first week of June. I can't believe it's almost summer. It doesn't feel like summer today. Even though there's sun, it's like 56 degrees oh, out. But it's nice. I'll take this. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. Well, it's going to be 90 in a week, so <laughs> we'll all be sweating and complaining about it being too hot. So... Um, and I wanted to give a shout out that my, my that lovely person that brought those treats down yes. a couple of weeks ago to my office when we were talking about health and wellness and, and eating well, she dropped off another little care package yesterday and a little baggie just for Lou. She of did some of those. That was destined for me. Yes, it was. Oh, I it, thought it you was, were just oh, no, pairing some off. She brought a baggie for you and specifically made sure that I was not going to eat all of them because <laughs> she had made my little baggies and made yours. So oh, nice! You I have your. You're, so so her name is Dot. So you Oh, can, Dot, thank you so much. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And so, yeah, because I told her about your little your little package of unhealthy crackers and peanut butter okay. and stuff. She's like, you can't have him eat that. So All right, I had one package of, you know, I know normally still, I'm eating protein bars. I know, but these are really good. Yeah. You won't be able to just have one, oh. but they're really good. Good, so. looking forward to it. So she did. She actually made a special trip down to give, and she made special rhubarb, but I didn't share that with you. Rhubarb? <laughs> Yeah, she made this really nice little jar of rhubarb. Oh, rhubarb. Delicious. I thought it was ruby, rhubarb yeah. protein bars. Yeah, no, just rhubarb. She just did the rhubarb. Uh, it's the season, yeah. you know, with the strawberries yep. and the whole thing. So it was really good. Yep. So anyway, I just wanted to give her a shout out because she did a special thing to make Have sure. Have you ever had untreated rhubarb? Untreated? Yeah. What is untreated rhubarb? Like, like non-sugar? Pull the rhubarb up and bite it. Oh, just it. eating it? Yes. Yeah. It's really bitter. It's very bitter, yeah. And it's, and it's sort of like... This is such a weird tangent, but it's sort of like when you eat celery and that stringy stuff, yep. but it's but it's worse. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, rhubarb is only something. good when you just boil it down and get it all squishy and add lots of sugar to it. Yes, lots of sugar. Lots of sugar. Yeah. And then some strawberries or some peaches or something that makes it, you know, yep. a little bit more of a boost. But My grandparents lived next door and kept a garden, and my grandmother made rhubarb, so I saw the process. Well, so and I used to drive my grandfather crazy because I'd eat his tomato, tomatoes, and he always thought he had deers or rabbits or something. And it was you. And he kept putting the fence higher and higher, and I kept sneaking in and eating That's the tomatoes. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, the thing about rhubarb, my grandmother grew rhubarb and had a huge, you know, I would say a long patch of it. And I just remember growing up, I don't know the actual ins and outs, I'm sure one of our viewers could tell us, um, that rhubarb has like a, a poisonous part to it somewhere in it. And I don't know if it's... It all tastes I poisonous. I think, well, the back... <laughs> we well, eat it. <laughs> There's a the back end near the roots or something has something that you're not supposed to eat or yeah. I don't know so you're supposed to cut it and so I make homemade strawberry rhubarb pie and I always cut it just above the root system and I haven't died yet so yeah. of rhubarb poisoning. But I know there's some weird thing about it. Now I'm going to think about it the whole show and have to look it up so I can tell everyone next week what <laughs> it is. Um, so, oh gosh, what are we going to talk about this week? There's so many things that we could address. <clears throat> just when you thought it couldn't get tenser. Oh, my gosh, right? And, and the thing about this part of it is with COVID, with COVID and all the response and the whole Karenization of uh, America, yeah. you could stand up a little bit. Yes. Right? And you could have a voice and you could talk about it. You can't talk about it. You can't talk about this. You can't do anything except either stay silent or go along. 
So well, so this is so this is interesting. I just and I was just on the phone with someone coming in today. And by the way, just for a disclaimer, so notes don't start coming. I'm not against the protests. Oh yes. Yeah. No. Okay. All no. right. So, I don't have a problem with the protests. Well, so so you know, given that the theme of this show is always to try to figure out how to live your best life and health and wellness and mental health and just being, I mean, this is a perfect example of how to how to now navigate. You know, we we've been talking about. You know, three months off, people not being paid, yep. people not working, people frustrated. Uh, unemployment is all over the place. People with um, recovery issues, relapse issues, domestic violence up. Oh, and now let's add in an age-old problem that yep. hasn't been resolved basically at all. And now we're regressing on it. And it's now incited the world literally into a huge thing and now have to manage that mental health piece of it as you go. So, right. uh, you know, that's another big, you know, I was talking about COVID for the past three months with everybody almost on a weekly basis, either talking about the beginning, as you know, if you follow along the show, it's what it was, what it wasn't, what it now is, how to handle it, how to not, you know, throw your kids off the roof, <laughs> how to not kill <laughs> your spouse, how to not over drink, how to, and now, oh, and that's still there. And now we're reopening in Massachusetts a little bit, as we were talking before this, and now it's getting a little cuckoo out there. Yep. And then we add in um, racism and stress and frustration and tension and I think this and you think that and don't you think this and don't you think that. And if you don't think what I think, now we're going to have a huge fight. And and so now, and I'm just be, and I'm being light about, not light funny, but light about just that's just a surface of everything. And, and so in the past week, I've had so many clients talking about you know, what do I say? What do I not say? Um, you know, people educating each other, people educating me. Um, it's very interesting because it's so stressful and kids. And one of the things that I've had a lot of questions about after last week's show in general is remember Greta had put yeah. up last week, one of my, you know, what do we say to our kids? And you should see the kids. I've had so many people talk to me about my kids. My, what do I say to my kids? And I stay with what I said last week is, teach them but be age appropriate to what's going on so that you're giving them a good message about hey right. you know it's your right to protest but it's not okay to be violent um it's not okay to do things that would hurt other people i mean the whole point is <laughs> the whole point is not to hurt someone or have someone die and then meet it with more of the same so we're not going to go out and say don't when I teach my psych 101 class and we talk about um, consequences and punishment and reward and that whole the whole theories of that, you know, I often reference that the, the grocery store in my history has always been the place where I get a lot of my psychology and, and human behavior because you could be walking down an aisle and you'll hear a mother say, don't hit your brother. And then you hear the smack that follows. And I'm always mm -hmm. laughing like, yep. don't hit your brother, smack. And then the brother's <laughs> looking at going but you hit me, <laughs> you know, don't do as I say, say, right. as I, you know, don't say as I do, you know, so it's so funny that in a, in a, in a light way, again, that, um, you know, what you say and do have to match. And so if you're teaching your kids, like, you know, be good to each other, try to have tolerance for other people's opinions, don't do all these things. I mean, that's so important, but, um, the tension is just so high and it's certainly now I'm feeling it in my practice and a lot of people extraneously yeah. reaching out and asking me, you know, I've had some media ask about like my thoughts on, you know, culture, race, 
um, clashing uh, narcissism, what drives the culture in general of, of you know, um, protest and looting and not looting and who's doing what and why do they do it. So, I mean, there's so many pieces to that. And at the end of the day, you know, I keep, I keep posting, you probably see on my, on my Facebook pages, we have to find kindness. You have to go to some place. And it's, you know, people are like, oh, that's so cheesy and so cliche. But at the end of the day, you know, you can have all the opinions you want, but are you being kind? I mean, everyone has a right to have kindness towards them, period. Yeah. Whether you're, you know, a terrible, awful person at heart, you know, and or if you're a good person at heart, we can't tell what that is. So you have to be able to go. You're, if you're a good person, you know you're a good person, go through life with kindness. You're not going to be able to manage if that person is or is not, but you can treat people with kindness. Here's the thing about this. Yes. About this particular subject, in my opinion. Yes. And you can tell me what you think of it. The, the problem with that concept and the problem with uh, these protests yes. is that it's aiming towards the elimination of racism. I'll use, I'll use the current issue as the, yeah. as the issue we're talking about. The fact of the matter is it's a nation of 350 million people. Right. Racism is not going away. There are right. people who are going to be racist. And what we have to do is deal with them appropriately and understand that it's not universal and it's never going away. You can protest all you want. They were going to, again, as I tell people, it's my favorite example. There are people out there who think the earth is flat. Yes. There are people who think a lot of different things. Right. And that's never going to change. Right. Well, you're not going to change. You, you cannot change another person's behavior. You cannot change another person's way of thinking. You can only change the way you respond to it. Yes. So that's like the mainstay in psychology in general. It's but like, from the point of the protesters, yes. from, from the point of people in general, you will drive yourself nuts trying to eradicate racism from this country or any country or any population because they're going to be racist. So because you're always going to have the fringe, you're going to always have the fringe elements that you can't move. And so yep. I think I think that the premise, you know, it's kind of like if you take the cognitive behavioral approach, which would be what I would recommend for people trying to manage this process in general, is that if you take the cognitive behavioral approach, that if you are um, thinking logically, reasonable, rational, realistic, and you're able to you know, see some sides. You don't have to agree with all sides, but if you're able to be open to hearing all things and be able, if you want to protest, protest. Yeah. If you want to stand up and stand up for something, right. great. But, you know, it's it's kind of, I mean, this conversation comes up a lot and I am sort of going aside here. And but, by, by the way, this, accept, this uh, statement, the protest, this statement of unacceptability by society as a whole is useful. Yes. Well, that, so yeah. that's where I was going is yeah. that so, so it's, it's good to stand up for things that are unacceptable. It's good to, it's in the way that you do it. You know, if, if I, I always bring it back to just individual people, like if you're in a, if you're in a fight with your spouse and you're screaming and yelling and swearing, you lose all your credibility. Right. If you get violent, you lose your credibility. Yeah. Something changes in that space where the message of what you're needing and wanting doesn't, it's irrelevant now because no one's, if you're in, you and I are fighting and I start calling you names and throwing stuff at you, now we're not talking about the issue right. that needs to be addressed. Now we're talking about you're beating on me or I'm abusing you. Right. So, and that's, I keep saying over the past week since, since George, this is all about George Floyd, let's put yep. it on the table, right? So, so it's about, are you able to get your point across when you stand up without it being well, you don't agree with me, so now I'm going to attack you. Or, you know, <laughs> I hate you because yeah. you hate that. It's it's about, okay, where's everyone coming from? And being able to know when, hey, 
I can't move you on this, but I want you to hear me. I'm listening to you. Can you listen to me? And if we can't agree, then at least we've heard each other. At least that's a start. People are going to say that's so Pollyanna and that's ridiculous and it's kind of cheesy and nothing gets yep. moved. But nothing actually gets moved with violence. Now, people, now I've been watching. No, you know what gets moved with violence? The argument gets moved. Well, the argument gets moved, because, right. Because we're not talking about George Floyd anymore. We're talking about looting and rioting. Well, and that's, and that's what right. I've been trying to point out to people. And people, you know, if you watch, and I know you do on social media, you know, I've been really resistant because I try not to get into those phrase on, 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 the, on the threads that come up. But, you know, the psychology behind this is, you know, it's, it's a smoke and mirror. It's like it moves from what the real issue right. is. If we're talking about the psychology of racism versus... The psychology of looting and rioting, they go together, but they are separate issues, but yet together. So, but you lose the point if you're standing up for George Floyd and you want to make sure that you have your point. What is your point? Now we've moved into, well, your point was that it was unjust and it was wrong and it was unacceptable and it's upsetting to you. And what are you going to do about it versus, well, we went to protest so that people knew that this was unacceptable, but then it turned into, you know, and I use this as a, an example because it was amazing to me. You know, all of Hampton Beach was shut down because that little strip got looted. Yep. It's, you know, it's just like, for what? And what is that going to get at the end of the day? Nobody's listening to what your point was because no one knows what your point was except that people came in, all people, lots of people, whoever they are. They just come in and rob something for what? That's a yep. message for what? And, and by the way, <clears throat> those people, in many cases, those people are separate from the from the protests and separate and from they, the and issue. And they are, and that's a, a very important distinction. Is that's and and that's super important to say that most pro, most people that are protesting that are doing it in the correct, if we want to call it that way, or the way that's trying to be heard for the actual right. reason, you know, gets kind of followed through with you know the curfew comes in at eight o'clock, and now we've got this yep. whole insurgence of a new set of people protesting under the guise of protesting, but now it's not. Right, it's, it's a whole different agenda. Right, but by the same token, when you start talking about that and you start lamenting that by the way again you're off the subject of george floyd and you're off the subject of of racism with law enforcement in this right. country and you're talking about looting when you start talking about that people get upset at you yes. and say well peaceful protest doesn't work and these people have been oppressed for 400 years and you know this is all coming out and it's like well don't defend it if, if it's not you if it's not the protesters don't defend it because again we're trying to stay on george floyd and what we're facing right. when we're trying to Stay off looting and rioting. Well, and and yesterday, and, and to that point, yesterday I was talking to a couple of police officers that I have in my life that are across the board on different things on this, and and we were all talking about the fact that, you know, they they want change. They they don't want to be represented in that way. They want God. they want George Floyd to be represented for who he was, and right. that he he was a father. He was a, a man who may or may not allegedly had a $20 bill that was counterfeit that didn't deserve to die because of it. Right. And, that, and that would George Floyd, as a person who, who the media has come to know as who he is through his family and friends and everything, would he be happy that people are doing what they're doing in his name when it's not even in his name anymore? Now we're doing something separate. Yeah. And it's in his name. But is it really? So, you know, and, and not saying that the police officers were having the right thing, but they were struggling. They were talking to me because they were struggling of like, you know, they're nervous. They're afraid of, you know, every time they make a stop and every time, what is the person in the car? Or what is the person that's, what are they thinking? Are they now 
ready for some kind of combat. Right. You know, and these are police officers just that made their lives harm a, fl yeah. harm a fly. Yep. Like, you know, they just are doing their job and now they're lumped in. Yep. That's not about George Floyd, but now they're lumped into all cops are bad. You know, it's it's the it's the general prejudice um, you know the stereotyping. You know the way I I think of it is, it, and it's it's like this in psychology. It's stereotype starts, then it's a prejudice, then it's discriminatory. So you start with the thought process of, well, it's a stereotype. All blondes are stupid, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? All people who wear glasses are smart. All people who are short are fat. Like you know, there's all these little things that yep. we all have these prejudices and these thought processes. Versus, okay, now we go into you're holding the prejudice of the stereotype that's bringing it forward, and now you're applying it to all people, but you're not acting on it. It's once you're acting on it, the discrimination piece and the psychology of it is now you're applying the behavior to the assignment and the label that you've given it. Right. And therefore, you know, it could be applied to, you know, it's, it's the assumption that's being driven by many people, you know, whether it's, you know, lawmakers, administration, people in different communities, different cultures around the whole country, whether you're in the South versus the Midwest, people are, are propagating where they're coming from on their own stereotype and prejudice, and then they're acting on it or not based on, on those things, you know, all, all people. Yep. Well, it's it's one by one. If in in psychology, if you if I looked at every single person that came in my door, and took them all for just being you're a human, so therefore all my treatment should go towards just the fact that you're human, I would never help anybody. Yeah. Because every single person has a story. Every single person has something with them. There's culture. There's gender. There's age. There's demographic of where they were raised, socioeconomic status, what their life experience has been or not. I mean, every single person like that matters. And I know that by and large, people, this is what I was talking to some of the police officers yesterday, people don't necessarily, awareness, they don't look at that. It's just every, It's just one big blob of people and now everybody's the same. And and then it, the point of, of, of racism being lumped in there, racism as the concept psychologically is that stereotype and prejudice that then gets acted on discriminatorily and then it gets perpetuated by people who have the group think and the like mind and then right. we end up in looting and rioting and so if you go back to um the psychology and and martin luther king wrote and i don't think people most people read this piece it's a very interesting piece he wrote um the derivative of you know basically the derivative theory he wrote a piece on how, why to explain that because of racism why do people loot and riot not protest mm -hmm. and it's an actually great psychological look from 50 years ago on exactly the concept that's going on now to explain the phenomenon. And yep. it is a phenomenon of like all of a sudden, why does everyone, and I'm not making light of this, but why does everyone all of a sudden need to go uh, rob Macy's or Saks Fifth Avenue? Like really? I mean, yeah. what is that? It's, and it's not about stealing for the stuff. It's, it's the, the anger that comes from the oppression that comes from the issue that started at George Floyd. And so the psychology, that trickle-down yeah. effect, impacts the people that really have felt that. And then there's people that jump on the bandwagon from the fringes that feel that with them or feel another reason why, which yeah. are many, that have nothing oh, to do with that. Oh, there are a lot of different agendas going can. on here. Yeah, a lot you know, of there's different agendas. so many agendas. pieces to yeah. this, and, there's, and, and people will fight even what I'm saying. I mean, there's been the back and forth. That's what I was saying about the social media is, you know, you, know, you can say all black, you know, all black lives matter. All lives matter. If you say it one way, you're wrong. If you say it the other way, you're wrong. Yeah. So in people, and so I'm doing a lot of this, like, hey, you know, 
when all else fails, be kind. If you have nothing to say or you don't know what to say, just feel something good in your heart to be like, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's better than saying something ignorant or something that just to fill the space and then it becomes something else in general. Yeah. Just a thought. Yep. That was a lot. That was a lot. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. <laughs> well, the thing is, there are a lot of different agendas and perspectives going yes. on here. People are rioting for a number of different reasons, many of which have nothing to do with, you know, with BLM or George Floyd or racism. They have to do with opportunism. Right. Well, yes, that's that fringe piece. Yeah, because what happens here is that our leaders, and this gets us to me, one of the most frustrating parts of this whole thing. I mean, the looting and rioting is frustrating. Right. But one of the most frustrating parts about this whole thing is that what people know is that the leaders will not intercede in a racial protest. Right. They will stand down. They will back off. So looters, anarchists, opportunists understand they can go in and riot and loot, and no one's going to call them on it. Right. Because if you go against the rioters and looters, you're seen as going against the racial protest. Right. Which is a get, position nobody wants to be put in. together. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. So that's a problem here. Mm -hmm. But the frustrating part for me, the part that's got me making fists, is that you see these protesters out there, and you talked about the hypocrisy and saying one thing and doing another. We've just gone through six, eight weeks of this COVID thing. We've been locked in our homes. We've been shamed if we go walk on the beach. Right. And meanwhile, these people are out there, and it's not about the protests, and it's not about you know anything like that. It's just that people are out there gathering in large groups, and everyone seems to be okay with it. The leaders are okay with it. The Karens of the world are okay with it. Nobody's standing up here, and yet we right. just and yet we have been locked in for months now. Lost our jobs. Forty plus million Americans are out of work. Is it the plague or is it not the plague? Can we go out and so gather, or can I mean, we not go and, out and, and gather? You probably heard. I mean, it's been in the past couple of days. People are really much more, you know, pointing that out. And I've been pointing out to some of my clients who've gone to some of the protests and the rallies. And I, in my message to them is. Do not not wear your mask. Do not, because everyone's on top of each other. This hasn't stopped. It doesn't go away. A virus is a virus is a virus. Whether, you know, you know, go protest, but put your mask on. Make sure you stay safe that way because you can't do one and not have the other. People forgetting. And, and you know, the, you've seen, and everyone on, I'm sure that's listening, is like the memes out there of, oh, did now the virus go away? It's, it's yeah. just, the, I mean, it's a testament to how hot this topic really is mm -hmm. and how important it is in terms of the racial um, racial issue, but at the same time, there's still a pandemic going on, and that didn't change anything. Yeah, and, I'm not, I'm... and everyone outside of us, I mean, you, you see people from, like, if you listen to BBC or you listen to some of the Al Jazeera reports or all the other yep. networks from around the world, their comment is, they're all protesting in the United States but wear their masks. <laughs> I mean, they're watching from afar, and they're all protesting. If you saw yesterday, there's tons of protests going on around the, the world for you know, racism yeah. and equality and George Floyd and people in those countries are all wearing masks in mass. Yeah. And and well, they're pointing out to us like, okay, you guys have a huge problem with a hundred thousand people plus issue and you're not wearing masks. So hopefully the leaders um will ask for if you're gonna go out and do this, please be safe. Please put on a mask. You know, you can still scream and yell and do all your things that you want to, but put your mask on. I think that it's I I'm going to chalk it up to um, the overwhelming nature of the threat generation that has yeah. come from these multiple factors coming at the same time. And that as a, as a whole, people are just so in shell shock by it that they have forgotten those pieces. And now it's sort of like 
enough time has passed that, oh God, we now we have to say, if you're going to show up, you better show up with a mask, I'm hoping. Well, I'm not concerned and frustrated by the protesters out there and what they're doing. I, I'm, that doesn't bother me. Go, uh, yeah, go do what you're going to do. Bother me. The leaders bother me. The, oh, yes. the leaders are telling us you can't get your hair cut till August, right. maybe of 2021. But they are, they're perfectly fine with all this. Right. No, none of the leaders stand up and no one's pointing fingers and saying, well, you know, COVID, we're going to have a big wave. You all got to stay home. It's just the attitude among the leaders who have been tell, who have been surprised. Again, 40 plus million Americans are out of work because supposedly we can't go out and stand together. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying is and that's what yeah. I'm saying. I, I think to your point was that leaders are are behind, and I would agree in my in my experience of watching over the past week, leadership has not followed that, and it's just now starting to become oh yeah, that's still out there, yeah. and they it's like they they got overwhelmed. I don't know if that's really what happened, but that's sort of like yeah. looking at it from a psychology perspective outside. I'm like okay, this is. You know, because you now you've heard a little bit. I did on the news this morning, and I did see like you know Cuomo came out and said, you know, we have to be mindful that there's still the pandemic going on, and there is this. You know, I'm sure that you yeah, know people are that's lip but service, the leader, but yeah. the, right? Well, because now everyone's talking about yeah. it, so the leadership is is definitely behind on that, as you've seen, and I and I think that's there. But if ten thousand anti-lockdown protesters had hit the street, the reaction would have been totally different, right? Would have right. been totally different, right? And it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what would happen as well. So I, th I think it's, I mean, from the individual person to person thing that I'm doing, and and obviously in this perspective, I'm like, hey, if you're going to go out and you're going to do your protest, do it safe, and and you know, not only just wear a mask, just because of whatever. I'm also saying, just be safe, be smart, be aware, because you're going into an environment that's very toxic and unhealthy and potentially very dangerous for many reasons. Instead of it being all about you know, what this one did or didn't do. It's just try to be the safest you can or don't go. You, there's other there's other ways to help the situation without having to put yourself in that. And people are smart. Most people, I'm going to put that out there. Most people are smart. Yep. You know, be smart. Think about, you know, do you, do you really need a leader to tell you to do the right thing? I mean, you know, do the right thing and think about it, you know. And, you know, but we have every, every culture, every era always has the fringes and you have the psychological we wouldn't i wouldn't have a job if i didn't have the psychological phenomenon that, that follows with you know group think and monkey see monkey do yeah. and you know it, what's good for me is good for you if you don't like what i'm doing you know do as i, I mean, mm. it's just kind of the psychological piece of human nature but at the end of the day there is a virus there is a huge tension from racial stuff going on in this country um there's people that are out of work there's there's already tension and so how do you not be part of the fray to get into a problem yet still have your voice heard and still stand up yeah i'm just a little concerned about which truth is true it, what what our leaders which? were telling us two weeks ago what our leaders are telling us now Right. No, that, I, I, that's, and I get, that's and I the get part. that. Yeah. And, and it would be good to have, it would be good, you know, again, from, from the human nature perspective that we could all have like a, um, a, like a symbiotic kind of relationship that would everybody that was in leadership could give the same message and it was uniform so that it would be, but we don't have that. And that, 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 that's historical. You, I mean, you watch anything over time of like all the, all the pieces of information. I, and even going back and reading, you know, the history on the pandemic in 1918, you see how leadership was very similar. You know, it's, you talk about history repeating itself. The leadership messages were very similar as as you're seeing here, at least in, in 
the historical reading reports that I've read. So it's it's you know that chalks it up to me that it's human human nature again to go into whatever the mode is that that person is in as the leader, whether it's you know the governor of Georgia or DeSantis in Florida or Cuomo in New York. It's again you know I look at it probably in a very different way than a lot of people, I look at everything as a case-by-case -case basis, almost like it's a psychological study that each each person that's governing, so to speak, whether it's over a state, a county, or they're all coming as if they're like a parent. They're parenting, they're parenting their children the way that they know how. And so um, if you're a dad, and you're a certain type of parent. You're a permissive parent. You're indulgent parent. There's four types of parenting. We're going to get into the first yeah. second. So there's authoritative, there's authoritarian, there's permissive and indulgent, right? So the authoritative parent is what we consider in psychology the best type of parenting. It has a high expectation for their children and at the same time give praise when praise is due, yet not set the bar too high for failure and still give correction along the way and support, but not be, and it's not Pollyanna. It's kind of high warmth, high task. Rare, mm -hmm. very rare type of parenting, but the best type. Then we have the other three. Authoritarian, which is do as I say, not as I do. Very much about high task, high task, do, 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 and but I'm gonna do this over here. So I'm, so go with me on this. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not gonna wear a mask, but you need to wear a mask. Yeah. Okay? Or you know, I'm not going to do that, but you need to do that, right? And then we have the permissive and the indulgent, which there's, you know, the permissive and indulgent is a range of, you know, w the parent, you know, indulgent is high in warmth, very minimal task. And then the other is <laughs> no warmth, no task, and free for all. So yeah. you've got all your children that you're parenting. So we take a state and you've got a governor as the example, and it's the parent, you know, are you what kind of dad are you or what kind of mom are you you know if we go up to you know Whitmer Governor Whitmer if we go down to Florida Governor DeSantis so it's what kind of parent are you the type of parent you are is going to parent the children of the state and those children are going to be either following in suit with your parenting or not and then the way to get them into the right type of space is can you get more towards authoritative it's really hard. And people, when I teach about this in class or if I teach uh, parents how to parent better, parents are always like, well, what if I can't change that? Or what if I can't get the child to match? It's like you have to try to match your children to your parenting style. But if your parenting style is indulgent and permissive, you know, one would think, you know, theoretically or hypothetically that we're going to have a lot of looting and rioting because we don't have a lot of control over what we expect and how to then give a consequence for poor poor behavior or, or yeah. lack of following the rules. You know, I mean, it, they all kind of go together as a psychological phenomenon. And, and it's super important that you have, you know, you have a parent, act like a parent, parent, parent well, mentor, consult. And, and a lot of parents don't do that. So you see a lot of that. And that's where I, so I see the country and I sort of break it out into these patches of, of parents that, you know, you can tell, you know, and who's to say one parent is better over another, you know, some people love Cuomo's parenting. Some people love Baker's parenting. Some people love Sununu's parenting. And it's, it's about, well, it's, it's the culture of the, of the scenario of the environment of the children. Well, I have two issues with that. Oh, boy. One of which is I hate the analogy of parenting and government because they're not our parents, they're our employees. I, I know, but that's not what I was going with that. I know. Secondly, <laughs> fine, just wanted to get that in. Okay. Secondly, the, the problem with this is you have an authority, authoritative parent for one child. 
Yeah. And a permissive parent for the other. Right. That doesn't work ever, does it? No, and that's so. Yeah. But most so you so two things. I wasn't saying that that is a direct relation. I, I was thinking more in terms of psychological. I understand. So, just got the back of my the I, hair on the back of my neck up. But but it's the way that I wanted to make <laughs> yeah. sure visually it's it wasn't about putting those together. Yeah. It was more about just explaining like you know the parenting styles and mm -hmm. how people are. And then most people like if you have you know a couple and they have children, um, most people are not the same parenting style. And so that's often met with you have an indulgent parent, an authoritative, or you have an, a permissive parent, an authoritarian parent, and to get them to match. And that's where I see a lot of families. I don't see people who have kids typically that are authoritative because something's usually going really well. That's the best outcome child. But it's when they're at odds, which most people are, of like how they're parenting and how the child's reacting. And most people, most children love the permissive and indulgent parent because there's no... It's freedom. It's wonderful. It's amazing. There's nothing, you know, and then you have to put in, I can't tell you how many times in the past few weeks I've had to say to like young teenagers, well, you know, they're like, I want freedom. I want to be able to go out and see all my friends. I'm like, okay. And loose, loose analogy here. But I said, okay, but there's some rules right now. And unfortunately your parents are telling you you can't. And this is why. And they're like, yeah, but we can break them. I'm like, yeah, but if everyone ran a red light, what would happen? You know, I mean, so there's some things that are there, and it's obviously not a steadfast rule, but you still have to look at it like, okay, there's parenting pieces in there for a reason. Now, I don't think that um, a governor, for instance, should have the right to tell us all what to do, but there should be a leadership issue there, you know, from top all the way down to the bottom, that there's some kind of frame of reference that everyone could be uniform. I mean, it's a very lofty idea because that would assume yeah. that everyone could be understanding psychology. That, that's in the same great way and ideal, and that. but it's it's more understanding like if if you have something happening in Florida that you don't have happen in New Hampshire or Massachusetts, it's because the leadership, the family dynamic is different in the state based on who is in power. Governor Baker is essentially telling some people they can run the red light. It's okay, go ahead, no problem, and others that they can't. That, this is the problem. And, it, and, and it's, I think that's, it's the well, consistency. that's to the point of like the psychology of all over the country that's happening. You have most states are having that, you know, start, stop, start, stop. Oh, yes. You know, so you have it's in and it's um, trying also to do the right thing. It's like a, it's like being a brand new parent. You know, you don't really know what to do. It's a brand new child. It's your first one. This has never happened before. So now what do I do? It's it, OK. Well, you can you can run the red light, but you can't. Well, last week I said that because that's what I knew then, but now I know something different. I mean, it's, I don't know why the whole parenting analogy is in my head today, but <laughs> yeah. that's where it is. Because it, it, may, it makes sense that, uh, you know, when you think of human behavior and how humans do things and something's new, no one's ever had a pandemic in front of them. No one's ever had a pandemic. Oh, and then, you know, essentially a murder, whether we all agree, a murder in front of everyone no, on murder. live TV, essentially, or semi-live TV, like that, um, and then it be racially involved all at the same time. Oh, we've all been locked down for three months. Oh, and nothing's open. And oh, there's all these things. That's all new to people. So you're, you're picking at the huge anxiety that underlies every single person, you know, all the people that you said, every single person has all these push buttons. And now you've got to somehow come up with one way of managing all these people and their thoughts, behaviors, feelings, reactions. That's hard. Super yeah. hard. Yeah. Consistency would help. Well, yeah. 
And it's and and that goes back to the thing I said in the beginning. Consistent consistency across the whole leadership of everyone would be great. Oh, I don't care about everyone... that. I'm a federal, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a federalist. States can do what they want. Right. I'm talking about my governor, who's telling me I can't go get my hair cut, but he's telling three thousand protesters it's all good. Right. Well, I, I think and I think that to to that point, and I know that you were talking about in you know in, in particular Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That we're just we're just looking at the phenomenon within that within that framework. I think it's still psychologically very much the same if you go other places. Oh yeah, but you know, the, and, and it's and it's and a it's problem not, in other places. And, and I think that no, these the, the racial protests are getting a free pass because they're racial protests. Right. And I understand the political pressures of it. Doesn't make it any less frustrating. Oh God, no. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing not frustrating about yeah. any of this, and that, and that's, and that's to the point of like, you know, you add in another thing, another thing. You're, you're overwhelming, you're overwhelming, you know, the system. And I'm not talking the system as in like, out there. I'm just talking. You're overwhelming the individual. You're older, overwhelming the ecological niche of like your community. Whether you live up on the North Shore, you live down, you know, in Boston. Mm-hmm. Whether you live on the South Shore, on the Cape, whatever. You're overwhelmed individually, and then it just collaterals out because of what it is and it's there's so many factors that go into it um you know again going back to the individual example if someone walks in my office and starts talking about something i never just take it for the face value of what it is because there's usually about seven or eight different factors that are pushing it and sometimes i don't find out the big biggest factor what's pushing that thing for like a year or two into our work together and all of a sudden the person i call it the doorknob confession they'll come out and say oh by the way blah 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 and it'll be some huge thing (laughs) and i'm like wow i would have that would have been good information a a year ago ago. yeah even though i've asked 15 different ways to sunday but some people just aren't ready to go there or they don't know how or it's not in their actual awareness or purview and i think a lot of a lot of that can apply over and into all these other issues that, you know, goes into the frustration of how people are living. We'll just take Massachusetts. I mean, people are struggling with a lot of things. And you're speaking to many things I've heard this week about how can you be going out and doing that when everyone's telling us that we have to stay in and we can't go back to work. And and by the way, I'm on the side of you can go out and do that. I don't, right. I don't have a problem with it. But so, oh, but I think we're past the point where we should be suppressed that much. So I right. don't have a problem with the protests. I think they're within their range of what we know and what we should be able to do. Absolutely. I'm just wondering why they can, and this poor woman can't open her, no, her dress I, shop I, or her gift agree, shop. And I agree with that. And I yeah. think that that's what I was speaking to, like about the psychology of the overwhelmed system, is that no one was thinking about that. It's like you know, it's kind of like putting the bandaid on, but. But yeah. we bled out, and it's a little late, kind of thing. And, yeah. and that, and that's what I've been talking about with people is that, you know, when people say I'm going to the protest, and I keep going, make sure you wear a mask, and they're like, oh yeah, because even individually, when I say that, people aren't, because it's almost like, okay, that's over. Yeah. Because this is a that's great, issue but we're told that isn't enough it's either. That's there. If, if that were enough, we could wear a mask and go shopping or go to. And that's, yeah. I think, and that's the point that's being made. I'm certainly not. Oh, go to Fenway. Can we put a mask on and go to Fenway? Can you do the a, Boston Marathon? Well, and that's to the point. Yeah. yeah speaking of which, I yeah. can talk about that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's to the point where a lot of some, of, I won't say a lot, some of the movement has been in the past couple of days of what I've seen. I can't speak to it direct because I don't know. I'm not there in the in the um, offices at, at the state house. But mm-hmm. I, I've I've seen some movement. Probably, you know, if I'm thinking critically about that, is the movement of all of a sudden 
all of a sudden Monday, this coming Monday, yep. restaurants are opening more, yep. and then we've got movement on daycare all of a sudden, yep. which everyone was waiting for that probably wouldn't happen until August, and summer camps are going to be allowed to open. I think that that's, that speaks to what you're saying. Is yeah, that they realize these, they can't straddle these two positions. Well, that, and and yeah. that there's some there's got to be some movement for that because it doesn't make it doesn't it's too much cognitive dissonance it's too much conflict of you can't do this and not that you can't say you can't run the boston marathon very sad for me yeah. i am running though but you can't say that and then say but 4000 people can stand on the plaza right without masks I, you know but they can but they can so it's it's that that pressure so i think it's there i mean just from the human nature side of watching things i i just think it's like the band-aid that's on after you bled out and the cherry on top of this whole frustration cake the cherries on top of it are and i think this is analogous to most relationships is that with this um with this current racial issue people are talking nobody hears what the other person is saying right and you just you you make a point about uh, you're against looting for example right and all of a sudden people are telling you you don't care about George Floyd, you don't care about uh, racism, you don't care about police brutality. No, I don't like looting. Right. That people, people seem to be incapable of separating those concepts. Well, so... Look, or they don't hear it, or they don't want well, to hear it. Well, kind of goes or, back to, if we go back to the beginning of when we started talking about the, the virus, right? Yep. Remember, I, I would say, like, I was seeing tons of people that were saying virus equals death. Yep. And then we weren't talking about virus, we were just talking about if you get it, you die. Right. It's similar. It's, it's all of a sudden... George Floyd and his and his need for being stood up for is not the same as looting, but people go right into it all slides together. Yep. It's all one big thing, and it's not. It's You can stand up and make a voice without going there. You can have coronavirus and not die. It's, I mean, yeah. loosely related, but the point is is that they don't, they're not connected. They don't have a direct correlation. They have a correlation but they're not it's not a to b right and that and i think that's important that people miss this is historical i mean this is a human nature kind of group thing thing you know it's you know here's this here's this thing that happened in george floyd and and or you know ahmaud arbery three months ago in february sort of he's gotten lost in the shuffle now because this happened but it's all in there it's that's the same you're going to stand up for this thing and how do you stand up for it so it makes a difference? No one's going to remember. They're going to remember how it was related to, kind of like Rodney King. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, so like historically, you know, it's the human nature of look at how this goes and how do you make a difference? It's how you respond, not react. So as cliche as that sounds, it is. It's, it's the cognitive behavioral piece of if you stand up and protest by being able to say, I don't agree with this, and you're representing something, it might not change the whole world, but you're doing it in a way that someone's going to have an, an impact if there's 3,000 people standing together or getting on a knee. That makes more of, it, more of an impact yeah. than someone looting Saks Fifth Avenue because the message now is psychologically totally different. It has nothing to do with the message. So it gets right. lost. Exactly. And, it's, and it's, it makes it really sad and frustrating for so many people across the board of trying to do something good. Because I was like, I'm going to get, I don't know how many, per, what percentage of people, I was in the group of, uh, George Floyd was murdered. Yeah. It was reprehensible. And what I want to see is this 
this cop taken you know, justice being served here. Yes. Because first of all, look at what's what it begat. Yeah. We don't need this. Right. Right. And right. it was just, and I was there, and I am there, but I have to sit here and I have to say, yeah, please don't burn down the cities. Right. And when I say please don't burn down the cities, you don't care. No, I care about that. Right. I don't. I don't want the cities burned down. Right. People just don't listen. And by the way, well, oh, anyway, they're distancing themselves from the looting, which is legitimate in a lot of cases. But that's your worst enemy. Right. That's the enemy of talking about George Floyd and what went on there. Right. Well, and, and I, we and were there. We were I'm there not, as a country. I can't speak for George Floyd, but I would love to be able to speak for him in the fact that I would imagine, as in most cases. They, someone who's passed away from something like this and has been murdered, would not want this as the result. Right. This is not like they they would. I think say, his brother stand, basically stand said the same thing, me. right? Stand up for me. Yeah. Stand up for my daughter, my little girl. Stand up for what's the right thing. Certainly, put you know, um, Officer Coven, whatever his name is. I think it's Coven Chauvin or Chauvin or Chauvin um, Derek Chauvin away and whatever. But at the end of the day. Oh my God! Don't burn down cities and don't hurt other people. That's not the point, point. Right. and that's that's the the psychology manifestation of the frustration and resentment in many people. But then it's on the extremes. It's not that. It's it's about being able to just be. Yeah. You know. What I'd like to focus on now is the officer being legitimately prosecuted. Legitimately prosecuted. Yeah. In yeah. other words, let's do it right. Yeah. Let's not, you know. Let's not buckle. Let's not come up with a half-assed reason why he shouldn't be convicted or, you know, let's do this and let's do this right. I'd like to focus on that. Protests don't direct, distract from that, but cities burning distracts from that. And, yeah, and, that's, and that goes back to the beginning of the point of the show is that um, what is your point? If you keep your it's like sports psych, keep your goal in mind. If you've yeah. lost your goal, you're all over the field. Yep. So, again... I mean, this is what I've been, I mean, I see 70 something people a week, 70 people get this message consistently is where, what's your goal? If you're away from your goal, uh, it's likely you're running amok on the field or you're running the wrong way, yeah. or you can have all those great sports analogies. And, and I'm not making light of that. I'm trying to give people a perspective of how to look at it from real time instead of just looking at it like this is a racial issue. He was murdered. Look at, yes, he was all these things, but how are you going to help it? How do you take your, have a goal. If you believe he was murdered, like I do and you do, um, what are you going to do about it? Um, you know, you're not gonna you're gonna go out and, and throw a rock at somebody's head. Oh, that's helpful. Um, or, or you know, or being the animal person I am, you know, people were hurting the horses and and doing things because yeah. they're upset with the police officers. Like seriously, that's now you're in trouble because now you. And what was your point? Because you were mad at what? Because no one even knows the logic behind that. But if you're standing up and then you're kneeling like the police officer, that's those are directly related. You're showing that this is related. It has a symbolism and it's not tolerated. There's there's all that cognitive piece behind it that puts in the thought that they're directly related as opposed to that other stuff that we're talking about is yeah. do something about it that's responsive, not reactive. And all looting and rioting and if you, you know, you that's all reactive. And and, and Martin Luther King, when he wrote his derivative theory, did not write that it was acceptable. What he wrote was about the fact that you are, it's an explanation for why this stuff happens, but it doesn't mean it's right. And that's, you know, you didn't see him running amok 
Um, right. And he got murdered. You know, I mean, he because he didn't he also doing the thing that was responsive. That was a problem. And that happens. And so, uh, you know, it's to this point of. You know, use your cognitive behavioral skills. Be aware that if you take a knee, you're doing it for a very specific reason with a message versus if you throw the brick through the window and steal all the booze out of McCormick and Schmick's. Yeah. Well, then you're just what? <laughs> so, but people aren't thinking like that. Did well, you see not, the... Not, I wouldn't say all I'm not even it. sure where the protest was, but did you see the protest where everyone was laying on their stomach with the hands behind them I and did. chanting, I can't breathe? I did. For... I think that was... I want to say... I think that was in Washington. Was it? I think so. There were a That's the protest right That's there. That's the protest. That's the enduring uh, video image. That's what people should be taking away here. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that's, uh, you know. Because that makes, and you say that, Lou, and, and you know. And it's compelling. This it, is such a tense yeah. topic to talk about, and I'm, you know, I'm being mindful of that, is that when you say that, and that image sticks in your head, like I have a few images of, of things like that over the past week that have stuck in my head where I'm like, that touches me, it gives yeah. me something, it will make me think twice about the next person that says this, you know. It's because it actually psychologically registers with the kindness and the compassion and the understanding of that's that's important. I mean, when it first happened last week, and 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 to your point about that that image, is I posted up, and I rarely do this, and you probably saw it, I just posted up a very brief little post that just said nine minutes. Yeah. Nine full minutes. Yep. Nine minutes. Yeah. Nine minutes. I'm saying it now and I get goosebumps because, first of all, nothing like this, but, you know, to, to be like that. But it's, I'm an asthmatic. I've been in the hospital over my lifetime three times for almost dying because mm -hmm. I couldn't breathe. Yep. And just at that door where you have to blow in the, you know, the little puff meter and, you, and you're supposed to be at like 1,000 or 1,200 and it was like 50. Yes. And it's that shortness right yep. before, in the, the last time I went in 20-something years ago, they said, oh, my God, I can't even believe it. And I drove myself. They're like, I can't even believe you're alive. Yeah. That thought, because I can go in my head and know what that right before death feeling feels like, and the amount of <gasps> nine minutes. Yeah. And it's like, register. That's something. Sit in silence in front. Like 5,000 of you want to sit in front of something and make an impact Yep. Nine minutes of silence. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because that says something. That puts you there. That, that that puts you in a position that that we're talking about. That gets you on the subject. That centers. It's responsive. It centers the response. Yeah, exactly. It's responsive, not reactive. Right. And that's if I could if I could give out that global message to people that respond. Take the feeling that you have. Associate it like you just did. You had that feeling. Associate it and make a response you're going to get a lot further and that's going to make a movement. Yeah. And you're going to be heard or seen or felt or remembered. But not if you're yeah. hurting horses and police officers and I mean for every time I see someone get hurt, a police officer or a civilian that's doing any of the protesting slash rioting, I'm like now yeah. you just adding to the fray of now you're just becoming another number. And I get there. When I see a protest like that, when I think about the incident, when I think about everything that's happened since, I get so angry at the incident. And I get into that point point where, God, you know, we can't tolerate this. And we ha this has to be done emphatically. Right. You know, we have to stand up here. But then you just keep distracted. You keep, keep getting distracted. Right. You, know, you get distracted by... Uh, political banter and, and finger pointing. You get distracted by, well, 4,000 people are in the street, right. yeah, but I can't go to Fenway. 
Right. You know, you, right, you get well, because you end up personalizing it, and that's what people do yeah. is because it's very much about the and you know the psychology of the individual, which is why I was no, talking I'm, about. I'm it, making light it comes... of it going to Fenway, but it's it's part right. of a bigger no, I issue, right? Yeah. You know, I, or to put it more succinctly, 40 million people are out of work because we can't get together. Right. But, the, but there are thousands out there right. getting together, and the people who put the 40 million people out of work are going, yeah, no problem. Right. You know, I have a problem with that. But that just distracts you. I want to be in the moment where I want the office of prosecutor, and I want the nation's focus to be on that. Right. Because we can't do this again. Right. Right. Well, and, and so so my concern around some of this particular part of the issue with the fact that, one, it took how many days? Four or five days for him to be arrested. And then we've got the uh, other three guys that were there, and nothing is yet charged on them. And I understand they're making a case, but— They're trying to turn them. But you still— they get, you They're going to get testimony. Them. They're exchanging you know, testimony. Because you give it any other—you know, the psychology behind yep. this is that if anybody else— or if any, it would have immediately been arrest. So it's like it's, it's sending a message and it's fueling the fire to all the people that have the resentments and the oppression and feeling suppressed and angry for varieties of reasons. And now you're sitting on three more people that were culpable as they you, you, it's all on videotape from all angles with all the proof. It's all there. It's not alleged, yep. <laughs> you know, but, you know, innocent till proven guilty, obviously. But nonetheless, there should be at least for the sake of fairness across the the equality of what happens to other people the police officer should be arrested regardless it should be there as a um piece of a piece of peace of mind for people that the system's going to work for people so the the mental health of people isn't strained that how come that's not happening you know it's you know i think there are two things going on one of which is they're trying to turn those officers for testimony the other uh, which is that's not a great sell right now because those right. other officers are minority. Right. And what's going to be said if they're arrested is people are going to be accused of trying to defuse the blame. Right. Right. And because uh, they so, want and, this to be a white-black issue. And so, yes. So, and to the point of the show that, again, is that there's so many moving parts to these yeah. things. So there's never one specific, like, hey, this is the thing. Is So that's where you have to be able to step back, look at all the pieces, and find kindness, kindness that... You're, you're understanding the situation like you were just saying or I'm saying and other people mm-hmm. that are you're critically thinking about, OK, there's a reason why it's frustrating. But there are reasons. Absolutely. That's that's the first glaring thing that stands out there is, you know, that and, and to the point of that. And I and I don't know the girl and I don't know. I haven't seen her face, but the girl who videotaped the whole thing, mm-hmm. people were giving criticism and so about that she, one, she didn't step in or oh. the video person didn't step in. And also, um, thank God she taped it. And also that, you know, why wasn't she culpable and arrested like, you know, Ahmaud Arbery's person that, w- okay, I wasn't there, whatever. But I, I know that the girl was 17 years old and she was also African-American from what I hear in reports. Mm-hmm just coming from the doctor side of things and the psychology is how many 17 year old girls, females do you know who would step into a situation like that or grown people would step in and think, yeah, this is a good idea. I mean, so the criticism out there, come on, you know, like how many people are going to intervene with four police officers officers that are, are being told by bystanders not to do this and to stop and to let it go. And 
So yeah. to that girl out there, I'm not sure who she is, but you know, if all the things I've seen and heard and whatever are true about people giving her a hard time, yeah, I mean, no. seriously, she's 17 years old. Even if it was a 45-year-old person doing it and saw that, I mean, I've questioned myself what I stepped in. I probably would have been, I probably would have been louder, but I don't think I would have stepped into that because I, who steps into that? That's like, You're going to end you know, up just like George Floyd. I don't, yeah. yeah, and it's not because I didn't want to help him, but I also read the, read the threat. <laughs> Yep. And I'm sitting on the, the side of the TV watching it, and my threat generator went right up. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah. But I hope people keep talking about um, the issue and, and trying to keep it right-sided and, and right-side up so that they don't get caught in the 14 different ways it could go and lose the point. You know, if you have a point and you have something to stand on, stand on it. Don't get lost in the shuffle of all the other stuff that goes on because nobody's listening. It's kind of like divorced parents, isn't it? If you just keep the point as the main focus... Things will be better. Yeah. If you don't get run off and into exactly. your own needs, your own your own feelings. Exactly. The point here is that you know, a murder was committed. I don't think that's too strong. Nope. And, a murder was committed. And we period. have to respond. Right. Yeah. Right. And that needs to be that needs to be the first thing and and being responsive, not reactive, is the thing that psychologically and physically is gonna make a bigger difference. I think. Yep. Just from my perspective only. So, um, frustrating all right. times. I know. A lot of frustration. I know. All right. So, well, and I was going to talk about kids and going back to school and how to help them this week. And oh. who, <laughs> who knew that this was, you know, I just, I just never have. Can't wait this. to see what we have next week. Whew. Oh, God. All right. So, um, everyone have a great week. Um, stay safe out there uh, and, and do good things for people and have a good day. And see me on your daily game face next week on Wednesday at 945. Or um, you guys can catch me uh, and write to me at all of the pieces of information that are on the bottom of the screen. Yep. Lou, have a good week. You too. Thank you. Hopefully, hopefully nothing new to deal with next week. I know. <laughs> I know.